Yeah, we know that Saint Nick is not what Christmas is all about. It's about the birth of the Lord, Jesus the Christ, to a virgin, someone who had not been with a man, a miracle birth of the highest king of kings, born in the lowest of places, a simple manger. The uh, man, just, I mean, how do you get more humble than that? But that's what he came to earth to do, to teach about humility and love and peace and joy, and goodness, kindness, and uh, things that we humans miss a lot of times when we're pursuing our dreams or pursuing someone else or pursuing whatever we're pursuing. So that was a little Randy Bachman taking care of Christmas. Heard that at the local place that has a Christmas light show uh, here in the, uh, the northwest part of the People's Republic of Illinois. Welcome, this is Ehud, son of Dennis. Come to you live from the Middle West of the divided states of America to the Republic for which they stand, two nations, under God, quite divided with liberty and justice for some, those that uh, are connected, those that have influence, those that have a D next to their name, typically get away with stuff, right? Um, there was a thing... I just saw a blip this morning about Elon Musk uh, finally sending out what Twitter did in the 2020 election to suppress the Hunter Biden information. And, you know, really, the whole thing is just sickening. Uh, from a purely religious or purely, uh, I don't know, God-centered view, um, I feel bad for the guy, but yet, you know, I know in the past, I'm no better in some ways. And so he needs God. He needs forgiveness. He needs uh, something different than what his mother and father have given him for sure. But Joe's the same way. He needs forgiveness. He needs to understand God, to understand what he's doing to this country is uh, its not good. And when politicians especially stand up and, you know, people who are given leadership positions and they stand there and lie to us and we see what's going on in Arizona with this Secretary of State blatantly stealing an election for governor from another individual. Um, disenfranchising thousands of people in the process and most likely uh, you know flipping votes in these machines which I do not doubt um, you know we have a battle folks and the battle is spiritual at the core you know this is not about flesh and blood as Paul will say later in the New Testament um, it's about uh, a spiritual battle, the powers that are all around us that we don't see um, that are doing things. And, you know, I read this morning in my own reading in First Thessalonians, uh, you know, how God, God cared for his people through Paul 
um, in a lot of ways in parts of uh, the church when it was just developing and young. And his prayer was that, that we would be strong, we would be people of integrity when, when Christ comes back. And let God be the judge. He is the judge. We are not. You know, we need to judge things rightly, as Jesus said, with right judgment, and call sin what it is, call lying what it is, call, um, you know, two men saying they should be married a lie from the pit of hell. And they need help, not coddling, not encouragement, uh, because they're living in sin. And not because I personally hate them, not because I personally disdain it, but God says it. God says, look, that is a sin. It's an abomination. It's not something you should be doing. And regardless of how you feel, because that's what most people want to do is go by their feelings, um, you shouldn't really be doing something else. So that when Christ returns, when you face him someday, which you will, you won't have to face him in shame. You will be able to stand there and go, Lord, you bled for me. You died for me. I believed in you and what you did. And yes, I know I was not worth worthy of it at all. And yet you did it anyway. So that's where we start here. It's a religion. You know, everything is religious in nature. Um, your family relationships, your work relationships, your uh, the fact that you walk around breathing is religious in nature. And what you believe especially is religious in nature. And it's not... Uh, you know, there's many things that you can put your faith and trust in. And we believe in the Bible. Uh, we believe in the God of the Bible. And there's obvious reasons why. When you go back to Genesis, there's distinct records of all these people that lived back then. There's distinct records of what happened, who did what, when, and how, where. Not complete, not everybody that walked the earth, but a pretty good chunk, at least of the family groups, the people groups that uh that spawned our Lord Jesus Christ, where he came through, and part of God's plan for salvation for humanity. And so it's a beautiful thing in the Bible, and, and God's plan is what it is. So so let's continue. We were in Genesis chapter 37 this morning. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph had seven was 17 years old, he tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Billah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. And Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than any of the rest of them, and they could, couldn't say a kind word to him. One night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in a field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. 
His brothers responded, So you think you will be a king to you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? They hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and eleven stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture the, their father's flocks at Shechem. There's Shechem again. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I will send you to them. I'm ready to, I'm ready to go, Joseph said. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along. Jacob said, Then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home on the valley of Hebron. When he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for? he asked. I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him. They have moved on from here, but I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of those cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him, and we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let us throw him into the empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing, and they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty, and there was no water in it. Just then, as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them, and it was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum balm and aromic resin from Gilead. And that's, that would be myrrh, down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him to Egypt. Some time later, Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern. When he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief. Then he went back to his brothers and lamented, The boy is gone. What will I do now? Then the brothers killed the young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in his blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with his message, Look at what we found. Doesn't this belong to your son? And of course, their father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said, it's my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say, and then he would weep. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar. 
an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, Potiphar, was a captain of the palace guard. So now Joseph's down in Egypt. The uh, brothers, who are supposed to be looking out for him as their younger brother, uh, obviously um, are not doing what they should be doing in caring for their younger brother. But some might say he had it coming to him because he was um, lording it over them, that he was going to be uh, over them at some point. And it seems to me he was just being a kid and like, hey, what's this dream about, guys? Check it out. So I don't know. It's always hard to tell with people. You know, motivation. Uh, we like to think we know people's motivations um, a lot of times. And we like to think that... Uh, We know what people are all about. A lot of times we just don't. And we should be better than that to ascribe motives to people. Um, sometimes it's obvious, I think. And it's pretty easy to ascribe what motive people, you know, like Katie Hobbs' motive in Arizona is to squelch any resistance to her becoming governor. And so, you know, she's threatening to put people in jail if they don't certify her as the governor. Um and it's just crazy that all of a sudden you can't question an election. If it's a Democrat being elected, now if a Republican gets elected, you can question all day long. So it's almost, if it wasn't so sad, it would be truly comical. But it's, uh, it's crazy what's going on nowadays. So again, that's the history of Jacob's family. Um, Joseph, uh, according to his brothers, has died. Jacob is in a distraught mess now um, without his youngest son, whom he loved. And the brothers all are happy-go-lucky because uh, Joseph's out of their way, at least temporarily. Because sin always comes back to haunt us, no matter what, um, one way or another. So, Lord God Almighty, thank you for a new day. And uh, I just pray for this day that you would be with us and uh, people would be encouraged. Anyone who would hear this message would be encouraged, would be mindful of you in their lives going forward. Thanks for stopping by, everybody. Have a good day.